Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Buried. Should I have done it like this? And this week, it's Buried. Yeah, I mean, that would have been very uh, effective given what this song sounds like. As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week it is track number 19 from Remains, a B-side from the Mercy Me CD single. Mm-hmm. Remember those? I do remember those. Actually have a good collection of UK CD singles. Because my dad used to travel there on business, and that was a really cool way to hear a bunch of different tracks that you wouldn't hear yeah. otherwise. I, I, I missed that uh, period of time. I love the exclusive B-side or the exclusive CD single or single if you were uh, really mm-hmm. happened in the late 80s, 90s. Um, I think it's a cool thing, and I love that they did this for a minute, for a hot minute. Yep, totally. I've got some great uh accumulated blink 182 live uh tracks from the like three what's my age again cd singles that came Mm. out in the uk so yeah before uh mark tom and travis show came out i had some excellent blink 182 stage banter to uh talk along to in my room when I was 13 years old. Yeah, the uh, one time I, I did a, uh, played a Blink-182 cover set in my old office, and I got to do my uh, my Tom DeLong banter in between. <laughs> um, and, you know, it just, I think for a lot of people, that uh, that CD just has banter burned into your brain. Um, which, you know, why not? My friends uh, Scott and Mikey and I did a Blink-182 set called drunk 182 Mm -hmm. and i remember i was mark and i said something like to the effect of i'm gonna fuck all your moms tonight and then scott who was tom said i'm gonna fuck all your dads yeah (laughs) that's that's the bit um which you know i i don't think uh our pal matt skiba does the the, is is good at the blink 182 banter um yeah i'd be interested to see how that goes yeah i feel like he's you know he he doesn't have the same uh same vibe i guess i would say mm. but you know at least he has a sense of humor I, I i like 37 people sent me that hard times article from the other week about uh him regretting his alkaline trio tattoo and to his credit <laughs> he also posted a screenshot of it and it's like hey at least homeboy's got a sense of humor about the thing yeah, now you two have something to talk about. I know, we have something in common, finally. All right, so this is a song that, um, it comes late in the sequencing on Remains, and I feel like it gets a little bit lost in that Remains is a really long conne- uh, collection, and this is the last song before you get, I think, three live tracks. Yeah, something like right? that. And this song also stands out for being, I guess one might call it the uh, Alkaline Trio's 
uh, brief journey into a pseudo lo-fi. Yeah, I mean, it's one, it's like a journey into pseudo lo-fi, and, and two, it's like the most ballady song they have, and their first album had two acoustic tracks on it, so I think that's kind of saying something. Um, mm-hmm. Like, this isn't power ballad, this is just like ballad. Um, yeah. And, you know... We'll get there in a minute, but I, I think it's it's definitely it's a bad position to be in on the record because you're deep into it. You're almost 20 tracks into this thing, and it mm-hmm. kind of ends with this very soft, lo-fi, quiet ballad to me that always felt like a wedding song. Um, and I have good things to say. This is not negative, but I th- I think that's why maybe some people don't maybe get there and skip it. Mhm. Mhm. So wh- while while we are using the term lo-fi, this does come from the Crimson Sessions. This is a Jerry Finn production. This is um it comes from all of that uh same engineer Ryan Hewitt who I was flipping through his discogs today mm-hmm. and he's got some interesting he he works a lot with the red hot chili pepper. Oh, interesting. Not what I would have guessed. Um he also did a record uh by Tift Merritt, a uh, country singer who I love called Tambourine. Anybody uh fans of Jillian Welch or Alison Krauss, that sort of like alt E country good record hmm. that uh it's got neil casal who was uh in the cardinals with the uh, ryan adams who we don't really talk about anymore but neil casal great guitar player you know who else played on that record who our buddy mike campbell oh yeah isn't it crazy that mike campbell from uh latterman uh and laura stevenson uh laura stevenson's band uh also is married to Laura. Isn't that crazy that he played on all these fucking records, like with Tom Petty and I know. That he wrote Boys of Summer? Yeah, I mean it's pretty crazy when you think about it, but I mean he's had a crazy career. Um, yeah. That deserves more than he got, you know. I tried to give it up for him as much as I could on on uh, the Sit Resist podcast, but you yeah. know. And I mean I really think Ben Montench did some great uh playing on Wheel by Laura Stevenson. So, you know, it's it's just it's good to see. Um, yeah. So let let's let's talk about the way the song sounds mm-hmm. up front because I really really like it. Though I think that I like it because it's so different. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I especially like it as such a kind of like. I don't know, aberration and then for its uniqueness and them willing to go mm-hmm. there. But it's also one to completely contradict myself is that I've always wanted to hear what the big version of it is, because for years I've had friends who've been like, oh, this should have been the closer on Crimson, which I fully disagree with. Mm-hmm. One, because I think it, it does not fit given that low fineness. And I think it actually kind of like it makes it end with a whimper, um, which smoke already kind of 
ends with the whimper yeah like i think it would only make those like issues more apparent increase um Mm -hmm. i do think if this was really produced really lush throwing some strings and big keys and stuff in it maybe then i can see the argument but that's not how the song is and like that's not like when you and i kind of resequence something and it's like all right well shave off like the last five seconds of noise and we're getting there this would be like re-record it in a big way and like make it not what it is and i I think that's a little less um i don't know ideologically pure (laughs) in that way when you're trying to approach it so Mm. i think there is a version of it that's very big and very cool and kind of takes the like if this was treated the way that like in my stomach is with those type of instruments kind of swelling behind it, I think you have a good closer. I think what it is is also really cool, but I only like listening to it kind of isolated on its own because at the end of the record, it just feels like a huge, feels like we've slammed on the brakes, you know? Yeah, um, totally. But it's a song that's really easy to just like kind of float through if you're not, really stoked about it going in 100 percent, and i think it's just it's a very nice presentation like i actually think like you know i could see someone complaining that maybe the lyrics are a little too saccharine or a little too whatever but i kind of like them and i think you know the first lines of the chorus like i never lied but it's so fun to tell the truth like it's just so kind of clever and it's just so simple Mm -hmm. and it speaks to what i think Matt and Dan can both do very well, which is like twisting a phrase uh, until it reads a thousand ways. Um, but like, I I think there's something really charming about it. And I just like, for what it is, I like kind of how pulled back and reserved it is, especially in the kind of percussion. Um, mm-hmm. It's really not overselling it. And I like that a lot. Yeah. I like the way that it starts. I think that the guitar is there's a really cool space that you can hit in where if you're playing guitar like arpeggiated the way it is in the beginning it also sounds like it's something that the bass player could be playing too and there's not a lot of distortion on the guitar so it does have this feeling that yeah this like I mean, you know that it's guitar, but you kind of are realizing that it, it really could be uh, being played on the bass. And I I think that, like, what is a real achievement for the way that this sounds is that it sounds like that guitar is in the same room as the vocals. It's not mm-hmm. one track on top of the other. And I think that everything that comes in, it really does feel like it's all inside a pretty large room. Yes, yeah. And There's it's a lot a of little... like natural kind of reverb happening here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really cool. It it obviously um, you lose a lot, and I can and as we've discussed, you can feel sort of like you're floating through it. Mm-hmm. I mean. But I think that's almost the intention. Like, I think a lot of the music is set up to give you that feeling. And, like, I've made this reference, like, four times already, but I just picture this as, like, a wedding dance song, you know, when that Mm -hmm. chorus hits. Like, it's a very nice, 
soft, like loving shuffle. And it's supposed to, I think, give you that feeling of like that lightness, airiness of love, man. And I, I, but I think that's, I think that's genuinely the intention. And I think it's the, you know, the form is matching the function. Like, I think that's kind of like what makes the song so compelling to me is that, you know, Dan sometimes, you know, he's a wife guy. We know this. A lot of songs about love throughout uh, the discography. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes the complaint is that it's a little too much. It's a little too like, okay, buddy, we get it. But this one works because it's just really leaning into that in terms of how the music's rendered. It's not some of the songs where it's just like, all right, you're just really trying to square peg round hole like these like very lovey dovey lyrics over like what is kind of like an alkaline trio song, which is mm-hmm. sometimes doesn't always work or feel effective to me. But I think this is just like I don't know. I think it's such a especially at that time like this is, feels like a pretty big diversion, even from Crimson, even from this being a B side to a song on Crimson. Like this feels notably different from anything they had done before. Totally. And I think that where form matches function is that the song feels a little bit like that feeling that you get when you wake up from a dream in the middle of the night and it takes you some time to feel fully returned to your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that works to a, a cool effect here. Um, I think that this song being a B-side and kind of a, a more rare B-side because there are several versions of the Mercy Me single and this is only on one of them. A lot of the other ones have acoustic versions of uh, previously released songs, which let's keep going back to that well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it being a B-side, that's the place where let's just fucking do something totally different, totally yeah. out there, and only the Brits are going to hear it, or uh, Americans whose parents are traveling to Britain and uh, want to stop at the... Uh, oh, damn, I wish I could just, like, off the top of my head, just think of a good CD store in Britain. Damn, that would have been so sick. Yeah, if only, you know... You had had His Majesty's voice, you would have really, really gotten there. Um, but no, I mean, I I think that's the thing, and it's just like I wonder, I wonder at what point, like if this was just a demo or if they were going for this type of sound. Like, there's, I've always had a few questions about it because it's just like, you know, it doesn't sound like some of the other Crimson demos which were on that CD of like ah, like home demo shit. Like this was clearly built as kind of a band and it was recorded live and yeah i i just wonder if it got kind of scrapped from being part of the record or what happened because i think i think there's so much good here and i think you know i while i really like what it is i've just always been super interested in what that kind of bigger version would be and if they'd be able to capture kind of that same feeling that you've talked about because sometimes you can sometimes you can really enhance it and sometimes you just end up losing what makes this feel so good and special and i do think that you know maybe a bigger production might take away from it but 
more than a lot of their songs this is this is one where i've always been kind of curious what what a like big full-on studio version of this song would have sounded like just because Mm -hmm. you know this is so atypical from them and it being on the end of this record makes it even more so that like it just it's one i've always had a lot of questions of of like what were they going for why was it treated this way and was it a song they were considering that somehow then just got cut you know or did they feel like oh no this is the best for way to treat this song and the best version of it like questions i've always had that will probably never be answered mm-hmm. and i should mention um that master genie also has um the mixing credit here and an additional engineer hmm. credit so um yeah i held that off on purpose um but I guess the thought that I have in in what you're saying is that maybe Mass gets the tracks from the Crimson Sessions and is hearing the room a little bit. And maybe this is just like, well, let's fucking let's go with the reverb here. Mm -hmm. Let's just expand that out and see what we got here. Maybe it's just an experiment and sends it over and they're like. Hey, cool. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's different. That's neat. Yeah, you know, and I I, I think there is just a world like, like that where maybe it isn't. There isn't that much thought put into it. It's just like we're liking what we're hearing. We're thinking this is cool. All right, like obviously that's not going to be on an album, or it's not even going to be an A side to something. But like, it's just a really cool document of a moment of this band like trying a lot of different stuff. And I think genuinely a lot of it works. Like, I mean, you know, I am the smoke defender not as an album closer, but like, I think it works Mm -hmm. in a different sequence of this record. And I think like, you know, even the songs on Crimson that I kind of don't like, I think are pretty good in isolation. And I think they were just, I think there was a lot of different kind of inspiration and influence and intention running through them. And I think, you know, Crimson can feel kind of tricky because one, it's on the longer end from them. and, And two, there's just a lot of different styles. There's a lot of different shit happening. And like, when you have that, I think it's impossible for some stuff not to get shunted to the side and maybe only exist in this type of form on this type of release, you know, on a CD single and then a collection album. And like, I just wonder if there's a more of that type of material from them, because I've always gotten the vibe that they've kind of just been like, there isn't really the vaults. They just kind of, yeah, we got 10 songs. That's the record. Mm-hmm. But this is the only era where I feel like, man, like, I wonder if there's a couple other songs kicking around from a session that sounded like this. Because this doesn't sound the, like, we fucking We Can Never Break Up, you know? No, not at all. And it's one that I, neither of us put this on our Crimson resequencing. No. And I don't, I I don't think I considered it. I don't know if, if I you, not. yeah, um, now I'm thinking of like oh what would it sound like if they were like if they just did a white album if they really fucking threw everything just all over the place and made you kind of deal with the sonic shifts yeah there is no cohesive flow it's about the kind of like hodgepodge nature which like if they were going to have a record that was going to achieve it it was going to be that one you know and that is including like all right we're going to bring in all b-sides and maybe some of those like weird fucking acoustic things and remixes like the i think tim armstrong version of burn or whatever the fuck you know like 
okay, yeah. like let's you know, and, and <laughs> to a degree, that's almost like getting into uh, Bob Dylan uh, self portrait territory of like yeah. we're going to show you every version of this we tried, you know, um, mm-hmm. which you know, obviously that unlike the White Album, which was you know beloved self portrait, I don't think gets a ton. people like that one, yeah, but like. I kind of respect it when it's like, all right, I'm going to show you every, I saw four different routes and I'm going to show you all of them on the record. I think that's genuinely mm-hmm. very cool and, and kind of a daring thing that I understand why more people don't do. Um, yeah. But Especially I, with the way self-portrait was received at the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think even still doesn't really get some of the uh, love that I think it kind of deserves. Um, it's got a very small uh contingency yes that's grown a little bit but not significantly yeah um but i you know i think there was this moment in time where they could have done this i think especially if you would take the one man army tracks and all that shit (laughs) you've got their white album for sure thinking i'm thinking he's thinking folks um yeah, I, this is this is an interesting one because I I feel like there's I feel like there's a lot to talk about there, but there's also not a ton to talk about because yeah. the way it sounds is kind of such a thing. Well, it's it's the most they've ever done. Like the room is part of the instrument. It's like the New York is a character mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> like you know, that's the time they do that type of move where you know because they aren't fucking guided by voices they aren't these bands who like do things that are intentionally lo-fi where like the way the room sounds is coloring the material you don't really get that from them ever right you know totally that's maybe in the drum sound a little bit but like that's really not part of their process and as a result of that i mean the song is i don't want to say simple because i actually think it's it's taking some big risks and some stuff that's kind of hard to pull off. But when you look at it, it just as like, okay, well, it's this part, then this part, and just kind of slowly builds to the end. And it, it, you know, it's really anchored on just that guitar part and vocals. You could strip it down to that even and still get a, a pretty representative version of it. Uh, it's just kind of one of those weird things where you're like, I feel like, more than a lot of songs, it's really hard to do any type of critical analysis because it's just like, well, it's it's so much about hearing it as it is, you know? And a mm-hmm. lot of their songs are like, how do the parts work? How do these lyrics support what is being done in the music? How do the lyrics and melodies build that? But this is so locked in from the very beginning and then just kind of continues there. It's like if you don't like the first 30 seconds, you're not going to turn a corner and suddenly like the song. Yeah. Yeah, and I think to your point, the lyrics are... I think the lyrics become less interesting... I agree. ...as as it goes. Yeah, you get the so, point. Mm-hmm. And I think it, he turns it into a nice wife guy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting alternate universe where it becomes more about the dream yeah, and maybe gets like a little, uh, creepier. Sure. But really this is, yeah, this is a, this is a Dan song. Yep. Straight up. It's, it's, it's a, it's a Dan, uh, wife guy song. Um, and I think that 
I think that it it going on for as long as it does is not the best thing for it with the way that it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing is I think I've always felt like, though, I like that presentation. I feel like the end feels big, but it feels like there's just kind of pillows over the speakers. You know, like Mm -hmm. it feels like you're kind of straining, you know, doing that thing where you try to lean in a little more like you're going to hear it better. And it's it's a record, (laughs) you know, like you're not going to really get that close to break through that distance. And I think that's the thing. It's like, it's a slow burn. And I like that. I like that type of track. I like something that sits in the space and really is unapologetic about it. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't make when I'm vibing on the song, I think it's fucking awesome. And there Mm -hmm. are also admittedly times where I feel a little bored um, because I'm compelled up top and then the middle kind of sags for me, and I'm like, ah, oh, yes, the end. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that's why I've just always been so curious of what a different, bigger room production of it would feel like to maybe alleviate some of that. But I, I ultimately just like it for what it is, because there's not another song of theirs I can think of to really compare it to, aside from, like, maybe in my stomach, but that's trying for something very different and is also treated very differently very intentionally and i just like seeing okay what was this what was this band doing when they're just kind of playing the song together in a room to get it there and i think you get a nice view of that and that's pretty cool what do you rate it I give it a three i give it a three and a half no yeah, i was um, right on that line yeah and i think you know the more we talk about it the more it feels like it feels like a movie that's great feels like raising arizona that movie is so good up top mm-hmm. kind of just levels off and then on a on a good day you feel you love good it. about watching it through to the end on a day when you're not feeling it you're just like all right i got i got the first half point has been um, made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they do a lot of that those coen brothers movies like they have several where it's just such a good first half. What else are you thinking? Well, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Sure. Um, Never loved that one. I think The Big one. Lebowski is uh, very uneven. I, I like it. It's too long. Um, I think you could you can do some trim in there. Um, yeah, I mean, Oh Brother, definitely. I think I felt a similar way about, was it Hail Caesar? I thought that was... Yeah, I don't think I saw that one actually. But it was fun, but it just kind of then got away from me. Where I was like, eh. "Lady Killers" is another one where it's like it's getting together, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah this is gonna be cool." And then it's like, "What the fuck?" What's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Fargo. Fargo is actually like my favorite movie of all time. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hundred hmm. um, percent. So if I'm not to say Fargo probably i mean you can say fargo if that's the real answer i mean it's a great well, film. I, I i have this thing where i'm like anybody who knows me who's listening to it, it's like oh of course fargo he always talks about fargo um but huge fan of uh a serious man mm, that's a fun one well it's not a fun one but it's a fun one what about you uh to quote the simpsons barton fink barton fink barton fink <laughs> Um, so that's mine. Lover to Taro. I watched No Country for Old Men the other night. Uh, 
I was doing something else too. Good background stuff. Mm -hmm. And that fucking movie is just perfect. It's great. Well, as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song and several Coen Brothers movies. At once. Thank you for joining us. We invite you to tell a friend about the show. Let them know what's going on. Subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Rate, write a review. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. People vote on the songs. We do some other long form exercises like a resequencing of crimson that we did other long form exercises like jumping jacks for until failure mm-hmm. i'm gonna go do some long form exercising and pulling down a tree limb in my backyard i've been working on it hell yeah so i'm about to see that one through to the end we're coming close to the end here but we still got a lot of road to burn baby we'll be back next week we'll see you then thank you friends I'm not afraid to